It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Okay, hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Patrick Johnson Show on this uh, Monday. We've got Inside Pirate Athletics coming up from Tiebreakers uh, at the top of the uh, hour, so uh, stand by for that. Uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington producing today. We're going to uh, have a pirate report for you this segment coming up in a bit. Uh, and we're going to have uh, for you uh, Coach Godwin. Uh, join Steve and I going myself for Inside the uh, Pirate Clubhouse with Coach G uh, coming up. Pirates get a sweep in baseball this weekend. Huge uh, weekend uh, and uh, national news coming out of uh, Greenville with Parker Bird getting his at bat. More on that in a little bit. And uh, big news, ECU winning three in a row in the AAC. 21 from R.J. Felton, 20 from uh, Brandon Johnson and East Carolina. Uh, now tied for sixth in the conference. Boy, that, uh, loss to, uh, North Texas stings. But hey, uh, we're, uh, mid to late February and we're talking about ECU basketball in a relevant sense. So, uh, I'm here for that. Uh, we start with, uh, obvious, uh, breaking news, uh, from the weekend. Uh, beloved Greenville legend Marvin Jarman has died at the age of 77. Uh, J.H. Rose tweeted out the news yesterday, had heard, uh, about this time a week ago that Marvin was, uh, nearing some a point where there was some concern. Uh, he'd been in and out of a, a, a home and a hospital and uh, was back in the hospital. Uh, palliative care is uh, where he entered. Uh, we got that text, Henry and I did, from uh, Scooter on uh, Friday. And then I talked to RV yesterday, talked to Randy Phillips, other people as well. Um, you know, Marvin, uh, a legendary guy. You'd see him at uh, every J.H. Rose sporting event whether it was football or baseball or basketball. He had over 1,300 games that he attended consecutively for Rose Basketball. Uh, this is uh, Ronald Vincent. I've got this here where RV talks about uh, Marvin and did so with uh, Channel 9 yesterday. He's the best person I have ever known in my life. He is an absolute treasure. He's just been such a good friend to me and everybody else in Greenville. And, he, you know, people talk about him being a legend. He is an absolute legend in North Carolina. And as you can imagine, and I was getting a lot of text, so I can only imagine what it was like for uh, RV and other people that uh, are really synonymous with Rose and uh, knew Marvin very well. Uh, calls, texts uh, came in from uh, all across the state and beyond. I'm getting texts today from the mountains, from Florida, from Wilmington, all over the state. People uh, uh, calling you know, how much they thought of Marvin and how much they, what a great asset he was to Pitt County and Greenville and Rose High. You know, Marvin also uh, would be at a lot of the Little League games, uh, Greenville Little League. He would be at uh, other youth baseball games throughout the summer, would uh, pop up at ECU games uh, occasionally. And uh, kudos to uh, the decisions that were made yesterday to do a moment of silence before the, the basketball and the baseball game for Marvin. Uh, kudos to our production crew at ESPN Plus because uh, we did a honorarium for him uh, coming out of break, uh, the first break of the second half 
they made the decision to, to you know, slot something else we were doing to a different time in the game and, and play that. And that was really important. So, uh, uh, I didn't realize Marvin was born in Colorado. I should have known that, I guess. Uh, but, uh, he moved to, uh, Greenville shortly thereafter, graduated from Rose, uh, in 1969. He got hired at Elm Street Park at that time. And the rest, as they say, was history. Mr. Greenville, Mr. Rose High. Uh, I think it'd been a couple years since we had Marvin on the uh, show. I know in the studio, we had him in the studio with RV. Uh, and it may have been a couple of years ago before Rose played for the state championship that they won a couple of years ago. I think Marvin was with RV that day. And it was funny, you'd have Marvin on the radio. Uh, and Mar- you'd ask Marvin a question and he'd just shake his head or nod, uh, yes or shake his head no. And, uh, uh, you know, Marvin was a man of few words. I think he got a little nervous when he would be on this show or, or talk of the town or what have you. But we got Mar, we got a pretty good, I would have to go back in the archives. I actually got a lot out of Marvin one of the last times we had him on the uh, program. But, uh, Marvin Jarman, uh, one of a kind, a true original. I said on the broadcast yesterday that, uh, whoever was at the pearly gates, uh, got a stick of juicy fruit yesterday and, uh, that, that was, uh, something pretty special. Uh, uh, waiting word on, you know, everything with the funeral and the memorial. I know, uh, the family was meeting with the funeral home today and, uh, I know Rose has already tentatively put some things in, in motion, but, uh, we'll see how all of that plays out. But, uh, our, our condolences to, uh, Grant Jarman and his family, uh, and uh, the Enjarman family, uh, RV, uh, the Rose family, uh, and all the athletes and kids, uh, Marvin. Uh, you know, you'd see Marvin walking down the street, and you'd stop and pick him up. <laughs> I did that a couple times, especially in the summer when it was hot. But uh, Marvin got a lot of steps in. And Marvin, uh, despite uh, his challenges, had a hell of a life. And... Uh, what a what a way! I mean, he 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 got to see a lot of championships in football and baseball, and just really really cool stuff. Uh, Marvin was uh, a savant in a lot of ways because he could tell you uh, really, you know, in details about the presidents of the United States. He could tell you uh, sports, you know, moments in rows and, and high school history uh, down to the year and to the game nearly. So uh, Marvin, just a great guy, and uh, still kind of shocked about the uh, whole thing. Um, all right, uh, Pilk, why don't we hit a pirate report here and uh, get to some of that audio from uh, the weekend. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, I got one of these cuts, Pilk. This is uh, Mike Swartz talking about uh, the Pirates' three-game win streak that they are now on a first since joining the American to go get uh, this third in terms of three in a row is it is big because we had had that opportunity a couple times and we were not able to capitalize and then also to be knowing that the guys knew that this would be a a pretty 
could be a memorable win in terms of it being in this conference. When ECU came into this basketball conference, one of the premier basketball conferences in the country, obviously uh, to go get our seventh win, you know, it was still uh, you know a month of the basketball left to play. I think our guys understood that, and, and I thought they took great pride in fighting for that today versus a very good two-lane team. You know, the uh, things I thought that were really good about uh, yesterday, obviously the three-point shooting in the first half, but when the three-point shooting was not there in the second, the Pirates didn't fall to pieces. They started to cut towards the basket. Their defensive effort was great. Tulane, for all of their failings this year, are a really, really good offensive basketball team. Forbes uh, hit those back-to-back threes, and it got a little dicey, but uh, Pirates did a great job on Cross, who was their leading scorer coming in, leading rebounder, leading assist guy. Uh, R.J. Felton, I mean, diving on the on the floor with 45, 40 seconds, 30 seconds left, whatever it was, when they were up double digits and ECU got that late steal. I mean, that's that's uh, embiotic of uh, of uh, R.J. Felton's effort. I was so happy that he uh, got a thousand points and had 21. And uh, Brandon Johnson played great yesterday. I thought Bobby Pettiford was excellent. So heady, so smart. Uh, Cam Hayes is starting to play well. Had 14. So I mean, I. You see, you could kind of get that consistency. And, and uh, you know, we mentioned guys with points. Uh, Jaden Walker is remarkable. Um, he had a bunch of assists yesterday, had seven, seven rebounds the other night, a handful yesterday. Didn't score a whole lot in these last two games. But that stuff that he is doing in the last three, you know, either rebounding the basketball or distributing the basketball, uh, and defensively, what Walker does, he's so versatile. Uh, that is a real uh, thing that can't be overlooked. So um, happy that the Pirates are playing well. Pilk, what is the next Swartz cut that we have? Philip the Ref Pilkington, ladies and gentlemen, with it's, us here. Uh, Darren Vaughn asked Coach about just winning in convincing fashion. He talked about how this conference is the conference that has the lowest margin of victory in conference play throughout the entire season and how they came out and won by 14 points yesterday. All right, hit it. Maybe we're getting a little bit of a kickback from the all those possession games to start the season because we've had three in a row now that I think you know have probably not fit the bill of what most of this league has been in terms of possession games and in terms of our last three wins. But that's a good thing. That means that this team is coming together and playing good basketball right now, and the coaching staff and just give so much credit to them getting them getting our guys ready and focused on you know whether it was going on a long road trip for a week of practice, then having a team that was playing very well in Wichita coming in, and then a quick turnaround versus a unique team in in Tulane. Tulane plays offense and defense different than anybody in this league. And if you have, if you could pick the schedule, you'd say maybe two, three days we have to prepare would be ideal. And uh, look, you give Mike Swartz time and he is going to be able to prepare his team at a high level. And uh, Mike has done that now that the schedule is eased up a little bit. The Pirates will have plenty of time uh, before Rice. That'll be interesting on that road trip. I know the men's and women's team are traveling together. They're going to drop the women for their SMU game in Dallas, and uh, they're going to drop the uh, men then in Houston on the uh, charter flight. And that's good. I, I think as much as you can do some of that, you probably uh, need to do that. Um Let's see here. Uh, I got a note from uh, our guy, Dr. No, Dan Miller. Uh, we're going to carry the ECU women's game on Wednesday 
against South Florida. It'll be at 6 o'clock right here on 94.3 The Game. So uh, we'll mention women's basketball. They will be there. Of course, uh, Pirate Baseball sweeps over uh, Ryder, hapless Ryder, over the weekend. We'll hear more on that from Cliff Godwin coming up in a few minutes. Seven zip yesterday. No hitter carried through uh, much of the game. Uh, Pirates get great pitching this weekend. 37 strikeouts against eight walks. Consecutive shutouts. Outscored the Broncos 30 to two. Had 36 hits. 10 extra base hits. Uh, but the uh, big story was the pinch hit appearance. I've got this one, Pilk, uh, from uh, Parker Bird after the game. Uh, Friday, we heard from him. I mean, chill bumps, man. It's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, this crowd, these fans, these people, my family, my teammates, coaches, I really cannot be more thankful and blessed to be an opportunity I am today. I mean, people believing in me, just, I mean, it's unreal. I really can't put it into words. It's, it's phenomenal. All right, and uh, then – uh, you got Coach Godwin talking about Parker Pilk. Let's hear it if you do. His dad and I have obviously communicated a lot, and I wish I could have scripted it out so the entire nation could have been here watching it, but you never know. And um, 500 and some days ago, his leg got amputated. I know exactly where I was. I was on vacation when Jeff called me, and I went on my paddleboard by myself, left everybody, and just cried. And uh, It's been a long journey, but I'm so proud of him. Uh, Coach Godwin getting emotional there, and rightfully so. That that showed up not only on uh, Sports Center, but it showed up on the Today Show, showed up on ABC News, Good Morning America for ABC. So I mean, this was a huge national story, and uh, I'm sure is even getting more national play today as uh, you know the world comes out of the weekend, and you have uh, local newscasts around the country that'll probably be pulling it. Uh, I know WRAL did. Of course, the local stations covered it. Uh, you'll you'll also see uh, you know radio stations when they come out of uh, this talking about it today. That's just remarkable. And uh, you know we've interviewed Parker two or three times on this show. We've interviewed his family. We may talk to to them sometime uh, here soon. But uh, just remarkable, remarkable stuff. Uh, Pilk, anything uh, from the weekend for you? I know you're more of a sports nerd than I am. I saw where one of the the East scored over 200 points in the All Star game. <laughs> So defense certainly optional there. And look, I have no problem with them scoring a bunch of points. And I mean, that's, it's an exhibition. So they're treating it as such. And, you know, maybe that's kind of fun. Maybe the novelty will wear off at some point, but I think right now scoring games in the one nineties or two hundreds for the all-star games. Fine. Yeah. I, I did, cannot tell you the last time I watched the NBA all-star game, Patrick, I was full on ECU sports this weekend between oh, ECU baseball. Oh no, It's, it, it's not going to cause me to watch it. I can assure you of <laughs> yeah. that. No, it's uh, I was full on ECU baseball, basketball, and some softball even this weekend. So um, good weekend in ECU athletics overall. Had a couple yep. losses. Softball yep. did drop one of their five, and unfortunately women's basketball and lacrosse couldn't get it done. But overall, good weekend. It was good to see the Pirates start with a sweep of Ryder. Now going to turn the page to Campbell because only one day off before they take on the Fighting Camels, and we know how good that team is. And they're battle-tested. They played UC Santa Barbara over the weekend, who is a yeah, team who's ranked in the top yeah. 20, according to D1 yeah. Baseball. So it's not like they have not played a team with the caliber of East Carolina. And they took the series, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Campbell did at home. So I uh, was talking to Sonny Sunalder. He did the uh, radio broadcast for Campbell yesterday. So that, uh, that happened there. All right. Um, Speaking of which, we will not be on tomorrow. Uh, we'll be preempted by baseball. We've reached that time of the year where that happens. Uh, so an off day for the PJ show tomorrow, uh, and then uh, we'll be back uh, Wednesday. All right. Uh, we take, we're going to take a break here. 
Uh, congrats to Shane Winkler, too, by the way. They're 11-1. and one. Uh, We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, Cliff Godwin will join us, and then Pilk will take you home after that as I'll head over to tiebreakers for Inside Pirate Athletics. We are talking pirate baseball with Cliff Godwin, the opening series over the weekend, a sweep of Ryder, and uh, Coach Godwin joins us uh, here to talk about it. Uh, Steve and I go from uh, Hoist the Colors, Patrick Johnson, and, of course, uh, 10th-year pirate baseball coach Cliff Godwin. Uh, coach, congratulations. Really, uh, really uh, just solid weekend. Uh, the pitching was, was certainly there. Lots of opportunities for, for some of the new arms, and then uh, obviously uh, the bats uh, did their job. So uh, assess the first series of the uh, weekend for or the uh, season for us from this past weekend. I think our guys did a really good job. Um, you know, I thought we pitched really great um, all weekend, um, only giving up two runs the entire weekend. I thought we played great defense. I think we only had one error for the entire weekend. And then I thought our offense was really good. Um, you know, I think it was 16, 7, and 7. So, um, anytime you can score five or more runs, that's impressive. Um, gives us a good opportunity to win the game. So, overall, very pleased and, and we're able to get a lot of guys, um, in the games this weekend, which is something that we got to continue to do just because we're deep and that's a good problem to have, but just getting guys out there. So, um, you know, if somebody gets injured, we can have guys ready to go. Uh, and as you say, it's a long season, so you really never know when you're, you're going to need uh, some of those guys to be game ready, and I know a lot of them are. Getting uh, the the younger guys opportunities, getting uh, the freshman arms some opportunities, you kind of alluded to it there, but do you have to be selective in that process, or do you feel like this group is uh, certain ones are ready and you can just kind of throw them out in any situation? Well, I think some guys are definitely more ready than others. I mean, I thought uh, Ethan Norby did a good job on Friday. I thought Elo did a good job on Friday. Corey Costello, uh, when you're specifically talking about freshmen, did a good job um, yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, and then we're able to get a bunch of freshman position players out there. Bristol, you know, probably played the most, but um, he did a really good job. Colby Wallace got out there and did a good job. Walker Barron, you know, had an at bat and um, some others that I'm missing, but I thought everybody that was called upon did what they were supposed to do. Coach, when you look at your your depth and your options, and you've kind of touched on a little bit as far as just how tough it is to make up a lineup, specifically like that kind of DH, first base, corner outfield spots. Like day to day, is that kind of the toughest spot for you to to decide who's going to play? It is. You know, um, you know, I just you got guys like Cam Clunch, Chaz Myers, Colby Wallace. Um, and others, Bristol Carter, you know, starting out on the bench. I mean, they're really good players, and um, you're just having to navigate it and trying to put guys in the best roles, but you're always trying to put your best team out there to give your team an opportunity to win on any given day. But then we can utilize the bench at a high level, which is amazing. It just makes the managing part a lot harder, which, as I've told Nowak, it, it, that you guys are making it hard on me, which is that's a good thing. Yeah, I know you, you, you said you texted, uh, I believe, Nowak. Uh, do you try and give guys maybe a heads up the night before, or is it more of a – kind of take us through that process on, hey, you're going to be in the line tomorrow. Is it more of a game day decision for you? Well, normally it would probably be more game day decision, but we didn't have any video on the freshman pitcher that started for Ryder yesterday. So we knew he was right-handed, but literally there was no video whatsoever on him because he hadn't thrown a pitch in collegiate baseball yet. So – 
Um, I did know that I, I was going to play Clonch at first base, and uh, we were going to put Cunningham out and left so Nowak would slide to the DH spot. So I let Nowak know that um, Saturday night, and, of course, his response was, hey, coach, I'll do whatever the team needs. And that uh, very heartfelt message, you know, coming to the head coach is, is pretty special. And uh, that's when I said, hey, man, you guys are making it really hard on me. And uh, that's a good thing. We discussed it a little bit after the game, Cliff, but Jacob Jenkins Cowart getting off to the start, he got off to. And, and specifically, obviously the pull side power is great, but when he's going backside like that, gap power, just does that kind of show how much he's locked in early on in the season? Yeah, I think any hitter when they're hitting the ball um, in the entire field, it just shows that they're dialed in. When guys are one-dimensional and pulling the baseball, it just makes them more susceptible to be pitched, you know, tougher, and um, you'll get yourself out a lot. But J.C. did a great job using the entire field, had a couple doubles the other way, and obviously a couple home runs. We're talking uh, Pirate Baseball, Cliff Godwin, Coach. Uh, also, Dixon Williams off to a, uh, a hot start. When you – Look at kind of everything that he has gone through. We talked about it here in these talks with you recently that, uh, you know, it just seems like he's got a lot of, a lot on him being the, the local, uh, you know, hometown kid. Uh, how do you think he responded and has played in the preseason, but also here in this uh, opening weekend? I thought he played great. I mean, probably better than what we anticipated, to be honest with you. That's not that we don't think Dixon's a great player, but. You know, I grabbed him um, probably on game day and just said, hey, man, like you've earned this. Don't put any external pressure on yourself. Uh, he had two starts last year, uh, one at Old mm-hmm. Dominion late in the season because Starling's back, and he actually played good. Um, I don't think he had a hit, but he had a walk and lined out one time and made the plays at second base. Well, then the next weekend we played at home, and he looked nervous, and he struck out three times against Memphis, and, we only struck out three times as a team that day, and he just didn't look like himself. So I wanted to make sure he wasn't putting any external pressure on himself because he's earned the starting role at third base and to just go out there and have fun. And, man, he uh, exceeded my expectations this weekend just because he looked like he was playing in a inner squad in the preseason and playing at a high level and having a lot of fun doing it. When you have that conversation with him, and that's that's just one of I have to imagine many that you and Coach Palumbo and all the staff have had with him. What are some of the things that you have told him? Because you you know what it's like. I mean, if you're an Eastern North Carolina kid playing in this baseball program, I mean, especially now that that carries a lot of weight. I have to imagine. So, is it is it a do you think maybe him going away playing in the summer too? Maybe you know ease some of that, gave him a little bit of more belief, not that he was lacking, but just, you know, kind of relaxed him a little bit maybe? I think there's a lot of things. I think definitely the summer helps. You get to go out and play, and there's not a lot of pressure, and you get to perform, and he performed at a high level. But I also think it's a year in our program. I mean, it's just hard for freshmen to get on the field at our place because the game's older. You know, everybody talks about the transfer portal. Well, it's made the game older, so it's harder for freshmen to go out there and do it. And I think kids are a lot more comfortable in our program once they've been through it after one year. So um, I think it was a lot of things that go into it. But Dixon's worked really hard, not just on his physical uh, ability, playing defense, hitting, base running, all those things. It's on the mental side of things. And I think that was the piece that he was missing the most last year 
was just the focus, the consistency of showing up, going to practice every day. And um, he's done he's done a great job of that this year. Coach, I want to hit a little bit more on the, the pitching from this past weekend. And it seemed like Trey Savage maybe didn't have his best stuff, yet you look at the numbers, uh, eight strikeouts, two walks, one hit allowed, uh, four innings. Early in the season, obviously you're not going to push him, but so deep. Just how would you assess you know, Trey's first outing of the year? I thought he had good stuff, especially early. I thought he was probably a little amped up, and his fastball command wasn't great, um, which he's able to navigate it because he has other pitches. His off-speed pitches were good, and um, but I thought he was a little bit erratic with his fastball. But the thing about Trey, he's always going to manage the game. He's always going to give you a shot to win. And Of course, we didn't want to push his pitch count. Um Further than what it was. Um, and we've got, you know, Spivey came, he was here this weekend. I think Saturday he's like, Hey, Trey, can you stop throwing 50 pitches in the first two innings or whatever it was? So Spivey was giving him a hard time. So, um, Trey knows that and, you know, he'll be more efficient next out, next outing. And then Zach Root and Jake Hunter both, I know, worked a lot on off speed, kind of honing in on that this offseason they both got several swings and misses on their secondary offering so what what would you kind of make of you know going out there against different hitters and their success rate throwing those pitches i thought root looked really good i think it was the third inning kind of lost you know the zone a little bit with some of his pitches but um it's good man you, you got to be put in those situations he, he got out of it and you know, through whatever, four and a third, four and two thirds. And he definitely was executing some of his off-speed pitches in the zone. And when he's doing that, he just makes it really tough on hitters. And Hunter as well uh, on Sunday. And uh, what did you kind of make of his performance? And then, two, you guys used nine different pitchers out of the bullpen, uh, but only one appearance from each. So kind of an ideal weekend, right, just from a pitching perspective? Yes. Jake, uh, he gave us a quality start, didn't give up any runs in, in his five innings. Um, as you guys could see, he was, uh, not in the zone enough early. I mean, I think J-Dub throwing the guy out on the hit and run was a big moment in the first inning. We always talk about making a play in the first inning. J-Dub throws the guy out on a hit and run and that allowed Jake to settle in a little bit. Um, but to me, freebies overall, he knows that and just to me, deep counts. Um, and when he's ahead of hitters and he's able to, you know, locate his fastball to high level, throw his split for strikes, and then throw it in the dirt, and then his slider cutter, then he makes it really hard on hitters as well. We're talking uh, with Cliff Godwin here. He joins Steve and I go and myself uh, every Monday throughout the season. We really appreciate uh, Coach taking the time with us. All right, uh, I'll, I'll be the one to ask it this week. The midweek uh, starter, Coach, for Campbell on Tuesday. Uh, what, what are you all thinking right now? We haven't made a decision yet. Actually, when uh, I get done with you guys, uh, AK and I will huddle up, and um, I think we got a pretty good idea, but just want to make sure we're on the same page, and then um, we can let you guys know after that. All right. I'll be looking for I'm looking forward to my inbox. I'm I'll waiting text, for the text. I'll text Igo. I'll text Igo so he gets it first, you know, like so he can be okay. happy about it. <laughs> okay. I, I appreciate, appreciate that, you Coach. doing that. Scoop, uh, scoop I go there, of course. Uh, hey, Cliff, uh, when, when you looked at, uh, the crowd, uh, you know, all weekend, but especially opening day, I mean, one of the biggest crowds, uh, in the country for opening day. I mean, just awesome stuff, man. It is. And, and I said this after Friday night. I didn't know how big the crowd would be, but I knew it would be big because our preseason scrimmages were, the most people we've ever had at preseason scrimmages. <laughs> right. So I was like, man, hey, it's going to be packed because guys or fans are excited about 
opening day and the Pirates playing at home. And I, I thought the crowd was great. Um, I still want us as as our players to to get the emotion going in a positive way to get the crowd into it a little bit more. I think when you get an early lead, sometimes it's just the crowd feels safe, so they're not as engaged into it. But we're going to be playing some tight games here at Clark LeClaire. We need the crowd to be loud. Those purple gold chants going a lot because that's a true home field advantage when our fans are engaged. You know, uh, I know you you only look so far ahead. Uh, Campbell is, is up next, but then there's this series with UNC coming up this weekend. And, I mean, you, you, you can't help from our standpoint but kind of look at – Look towards that because it's a big deal. We know, we, and we know the media. We know the media wants to uh, right. talk about Carolina. Right, yeah. yeah, we know that. But 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 oh, come on now, not me. All right, now you're you, so you're barnstorming around the state with it, which I think this is a great idea. And look, because there's more interest in baseball, there's more interest in these shows where people, you know, are maybe hearing uh, you talk about some of the stuff for the first time. In other words, our audience is, is growing. And so I wanted to just have you, you know, this is a great series. I think it's a great concept to play Chapel Hill, Greenville, and somewhere around the state in between. Are are you you still pretty satisfied with that? I mean, you're going to play in a great park on Saturday down in Fayetteville in the minor league park down there. We're super excited about it. I mean, it's great for college baseball. It's great for the state of North Carolina. I mean, you got two of the best teams in the country going head-to-head Friday in Chapel Hill, Saturday in Fedville, and then Sunday here in Greenville. So um, as long as Coach Forbes and I are the head coaches at the respective schools, uh, we're going to continue to do it. We've made a pact. Uh, he's been so gracious um, to play us. I mean, they don't have to play us, and I appreciate that. And it just to do it on a weekend series, man, it's been special, obviously. Uh, we started in 2018 with Coach Fox, and then we took a little break, and then when – Coach Forbes got hired. We started back up again, and it's been awesome. Coach, we've got to discuss, obviously, the one of the big storylines of the weekend, an awesome moment, Parker Bird um, getting his at-bat on Friday. and Emotional time for, for all you guys, I think for everybody in the, in, in the stadium that day. Just what were your emotions when he strolled to the plate and we got to see that unfold? Well, to start with, it was just, you know, trying to get him in the game and figuring out, what the opportunity was going to be like, when it was going to be. And um, like I've said a, a lot, you know, I wish I could have told people exactly it was going to happen at opening night, what time it was going to be. But um, it just doesn't work out that way. You just have to, you know, have to see the game play out. And um, once he got to the plate and I heard the crowd, that's when it set in with me of like, man, this is like one of the coolest moments, the coolest moment that I've, I've ever had in my, my coaching career. And I've said this to some of my closest friends, but it'll be the coolest moment that I've ever had in my coaching career when we knock down the door and we play in the College World Series. And um, just because I've seen what Parker's had to go through, I've seen what his family's had to go through. Um, man, he has just grinded for almost two years to put himself in a position to get in at bat the first prosthetic uh, human to ever play in Division One baseball game like we were talking about in our Bible study this morning, and I was getting chill bumps, man. That is unbelievable what it takes to be able to do that, and, and Parker deserved that moment, and there'll be more moments for Parker and our fans, and I just thought it was awesome. And obviously, Coach, social media at times can be a bad thing, but it, it is great to see that type of story get the recognition it deserves given everything Parker and his family has been through. And 
you know, seeing obviously the media team for uh, the social media team for ECU baseball did a phenomenal job catching his parents and, and their reaction. And that really got to me, coach. But what did you just make of the way it was picked up nationally? Were you happy to see it, it get that recognition it deserved? Absolutely. Uh, I think Parker's platform, um, because of what he's been through, is the biggest platform of any player that we've ever had here. You know, you think about it, we've had big leaguers here and um, guys that are still playing the big leagues, but Parker Bird has a bigger platform than any of those guys just because people love to see the story of where he's come from and how he's had to just had this tenacious attitude of just showing up and getting better every day. And he's an inspiration to so many people. I can't tell you the amount of emails, text messages I've gotten across the country from people I don't even know and just how supportive they are of Parker. And then, you know, of course, he's a person of faith, so he's going to have a huge platform to talk about his faith because if it wasn't his faith, I don't think he would be where he is today. You said after the game Friday, and we played the cut earlier in my show, about um, you know, where you were when you heard the news, when you got the call from uh, that, that Parker had had his accident. And then you said you went out on the paddleboard. Uh, I, I just thought that was what a vulnerable moment to share with everybody. You know, I remember where I was when I heard it. I mean, it's just these these moments. And uh, just if you don't mind kind of telling that here, because, again, you know, a little bigger, broader audience, because I just think that that's uh, – you give us a hard time. But we know what a good guy you are, Coach G. I know what a good guy. I've known you a long time. I know what a good guy you yeah. are. So I, I know that you're really a heartfelt guy, and I just thought that was an awesome story. Well, I didn't know you were going to try to make me cry today, Patrick, so uh appreciate that. Um, as Jimmy V says, you know, you need to cry, you need to laugh, you know, in the same day to have a great day. Well, I guess uh, you're getting the crying part, but no, it just, I think Parker's accident happened about 10 days before I take the, the yearly vacation that I take, and the Lafferty's from Ole Miss were coming to the beach, the Tracy's, Chad Tracy's family is going to be down there, and I was really torn about going on vacation. Um, and Jeff told me I had to go, Jeff Bird. And um, so I go down there, and I'm in constant communication with Jeff pretty much every day and just really worried about Jeff and where his headspace was. And I was actually in my um, my bedroom at our beach place, and he called me and said that they're going to have to amputate Parker's uh, leg. And, man, I just I don't really ever want to go back to that moment because I was – just devastated and I knew Jeff was devastated and I knew Parker was devastated and I just needed some time by myself. And so I just told everybody, Hey, look, I, I need to get on the paddleboard and I need to paddle off. And I just went off to a little quiet spot and I just cried. I didn't know what else to do. Um, and, um, you know, that was a moment I'll never forget. Um, but when you see what happened on Friday night, you know, that God's got a bigger plan for sure. And, that was so cool for me to just watch him and the emotion and him taking his helmet off and getting a standing O. I mean, really awesome stuff. When he draws ball four, what are you thinking? Man, I mean, to be honest with you, I was hoping the guy throw him a strike because I know how good a hitter Parker is. <laughs> <laughs> that was well, he had a great eye. Like, That's what it was. Yeah, he had a great so, eye. So, yeah. 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 Um, one other thing, and I mean, I, I, you know how great baseball in this community is, Marvin Jarman. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was great 
we had a thing on the telecast for basketball yesterday where we mentioned him. I know there was a moment of silence before basketball. There was one before baseball. Uh, but, you know, when you look at, you know, you just always Marvin and RV together, and you think Rose. I mean, just, uh, you know, I just wanted to give you a chance. I'm sure... I'm sure you've got some wisdom imparted on you from Marvin over the years, like we all have. Yeah, Marvin was such a just a staple of this community for so long. Back when, you know, I was in high school, everybody knew who Marvin was. I mean, um, if you saw him walking down the street, people pick him up, take him home. He's always at Rose athletic events. Um, and then when he would see me, and I hadn't seen him recently, but he would always ask about my mom and dad. And I don't know how many times he'd ever met my mom and dad, but he would, how's your mom doing? How's your dad doing? Those would be the first two questions. And yeah. I just always thought like, he doesn't even really know me that well, but he remembers my mom and dad and he wants to know how they're doing. And that just tells you what type of person he was and he cared for people at the highest level. So he's a legend. Um, he'll be in every hall of fame around here. He should be. Um, because of what he's meant to this community. Coach, uh, thank you for everything as always. Good stuff. And uh, I look forward to I go forwarding me the text when you forward I'll be sure you to send him that. the text coming up. Yeah, I can't wait to, to receive it. Hey, uh, Cliff, you know, we think you're the best, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks a bunch. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Good luck against uh, Campbell tomorrow. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Cliff. There he goes. That was Coach Cliff Godwin, head coach of your 3-0 and ECU Pirates. Patrick is on his way over to tiebreakers as we speak. Be sure to check out that interview every week with Coach Godwin, Stephen Igo, and Patrick Johnson. We live stream it every Monday at 10 o'clock on all of our social media pages. We'll be back with a sports update and then be back up to wrap up the show here on the Monday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into our Monday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Wrapping it up for you here as we get you set for Inside Pirate Athletics with Patrick Johnson and Stephen Igo. They will be joined by the head coach of the Pirates basketball team, Mike Schwartz and man, this pirate basketball team has seen a resurgence. Not that they were not already a good defensive team throughout the year. They were coming into yesterday's contest just allowing 67.8 points per game. 67 is how much they led up to the Tulane Green Wave, who are a very good offensive team. But tell you, this pirate basketball offense is playing at a different level, a level that we have not seen in a long time. That was the big complaint with a lot of the Pirate Nation through the first part of conference play. There were a lot of people, and I think wrongfully so, calling for Mike Schwartz to be gone. Look, this guy came into this program and was very clear as to what his identity was going to be. It was going to be defense first. And he had built a program that was defense first. The unfortunate thing is there just didn't seem to be enough offense if the defense messed up for three or four minutes and allowed a run. There was just too many scoring droughts 
Well, now that Jaden Walker, just like last year, is running a lot of the point down the stretch, the shots just seem to be falling for other players, I still think in order to be long-term successful, they're going to have to go out and get another score this offseason. But now that it is going to look like a better destination for transfers, for recruits, because now this team is 15-12 and 12 overall. This team is 7-6 and six in league play. This team has won three consecutive conference games, and this team has been scoring in the 80s. This basketball team, I, you know, this year, is the ceiling extremely high? No. But with this conference right now, any game is winnable, and could they do what Kim McNeil's team did last year? I think it is not out of the realm of possibility. Not saying this team is 100% going to the NCAA tournament, but they can beat anyone in this conference. This conference is tough enough. Of course, South Florida is going to be a tough one to beat. They're 12-1 and now after their win against FAU last night, 80-76. to And they're a tough team. Charlotte is a tough team, but we are going to get another shot at Charlotte here in the regular season. They come here on Senior Day, March 9th. I think that Coach Schwartz has really built up what he planned to build up, and I pray that all those Pirate fans that were out there calling for Coach Schwartz's head about two weeks ago have at least come off of it a little bit because telling you right now this team is on the up and up you do not change things overnight it's just not realistic i know in the era of the portal in the era of the nil it is easier to do it in a shorter period of time it still doesn't happen overnight at a place like ecu we're still in a mid-major conference we still have a mid-major athletic budget a lot of great people donating to team boneyard we still do not have the nil that other teams have you know, it's one thing to turn Oregon around overnight because you've got Phil Knight and Nike supporting you, and you've got, well, I guess what's going to be Big Ten money now. Pac-12 wasn't great money, but, hey, it was still a lot money, better money than the money in the Americans. So this Pirate basketball team, I am excited for this weekend. I'm excited to go down to Rice. Big opportunity to make it four in a row. And then, hey, they come home. They welcome in Memphis on next Thursday, the 29th. For the first time in four years, February 29th. Yes, you heard that right. It is a leap year. And um, look, this Memphis team is struggling. Not that I don't think the Pirates are going to beat them anyway, but if they're going to beat them, this is going to be the time. This team um, once again got beat over the weekend, and I really think the Pirates, the way they're playing, could ride this momentum into that Memphis contest. However, we are going to need a big crowd next Thursday night against the Memphis Tigers, much like the big crowd that we saw this weekend at Pirate Baseball. What a crowd for opening weekend. What a crowd for opening day. Over 5,200 Pirate fans there on opening day. An opening day record for Clark LeClaire Stadium in this program. There to see the Pirates take down Ryder 16-2 to and to see Parker Bird's first career collegiate AB. It was a special moment on Friday night and a special weekend in Pirate Baseball, they let up no runs over the final two days of the weekend. And look, I think Coach Godwin may have his starting rotation. Look, I get that necessarily your third best pitcher is not always your Sunday starter. And I think Jake Hunter can be a high-leverage guy. Don't get me wrong, but I think there's plenty of high-leverage guys in this bullpen. If you need to move Jake Hunter there, if there's an unforeseen circumstance, an injury, a kid just goes through a slump, not opposed to moving there, but right now, man, CG has got his rotation 
Jake Hunter yesterday, five scoreless innings, a little bit of a rough first inning. He walked two, could have easily walked a third through 21 pitches. But, man, it was still a great start by Jake Hunter. Uh, obviously, Trey on Thursday night didn't throw as many as we wanted, only four innings out of him. But that pitch count was at 78. You know, that's something later in the year you'd see him come out for the fifth. But Coach Godwin doing the mature thing there, you know, not letting his ace or any of his starting pitchers throw too many pitches opening weekend. Obviously, a good outing by Trey, good outing by Zach Root on Saturday. You know, everybody's high on Zach Root, and I'm with him. But, hey, you know, Zach Root played phenomenal last year. But a lot of those his starts were midweeks. Wasn't really a weekend guy. Didn't give you the volume of innings. We know he's got the talent. He's got the talent to go out there and throw two, three innings. But we're still worried about that volume. Or I shouldn't say worried, but we're, we're optimistic. But we still need to see it. And I think Saturday throwing four and two-thirds really put a good stepping stone down for Zach Root to come on and be the consistent Saturday night guy here in Greenville for the rest of this year, and then hopefully get plugged perfectly into that Friday night role next year as a junior. Obviously, he will not be draft eligible, so he will be back in collegiate baseball somewhere next year. Hopefully, it's here in Greenville as part of the Pirates. And then, obviously, as we would all expect, Trey Savage will probably be gone after this season. He is draft eligible at the end of the 2024 campaign. So it's a big weekend in Pirate Athletics. Softball Shane Winkler's club is 11-1. and Unfortunately, the women's basketball team has dropped two in a row, but they still are contending near the top of the conference. First loss of the season for lacrosse this weekend. But, hey, they're 2-1, and one, not bad. The Navy team that they lost to is a top-20 team in the country. So a lot of good things going on in Pirate Athletics. So... Hopefully, we can keep it going all spring long. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Thanks to the P-Man. Thanks to Steve and I. Go, of course, thanks to Coach Godwin and uh, Chip Welch, our SID, for getting that interview every week set up with Coach. We really appreciate him allowing us to have uh, Coach Godwin on. We thank Coach Godwin for coming on. So stay tuned for Inside Pirate Athletics. No PJ show tomorrow. Be preempted by Pirate Baseball. 445 is the network time for that 5 o'clock first pitch over in Bowie's Creek. Be sure to tune in right here on 94.3 The Game. Scott Rogers and Coach O on the call for that one. So I'm Philip Pilkington. Have a great rest of your evening, Pirate Nation. Enjoy Inside Pirate Athletics, live from Tiebreakers. Mm-hmm.